Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now, cue the music. Hello, welcome to the 110th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Warren Kaplan, and today we have Bobby Miller on. He is a director that has a feature film that is out by the time you are hearing this podcast. It is called The Cleanse. It premiered at South by Southwest. It has Johnny Galecki and Angelica Houston and a bunch of other awesome cast members. And it is a kind of crazy supernatural fantasy about people that are trying to find themselves and get rid of all the negative stuff in their life yeah if you like weird puppets and magical realism and comedy and drama kind of all mixed into one this is your uh, sweet spot bobby has a ton of really interesting insights he's kind of like us in that he started in the internet he was kind of around for the early you know boom of youtube and figuring out how to make a living and finding an audience online and kind of parlayed that into uh, a hit Sundance short and then also a feature film. So if you want to follow that path, like I think most of our listeners do, this is a great episode for you. I really enjoyed hearing all the steps he took to get his movie made, which go beyond writing a script or finding a producer. It's, you know, it's creating a whole package, which is really interesting. But before we talk to him, we want to say thanks to our new patrons. We started a Patreon last week, and we already have a few patrons. Yeah, thanks, everyone. This is It's such an awesome thing to see. I know it feels like, oh, it's a couple bucks. It's not a big deal. But like, it really does mean a lot to us, and it really is going to help the show grow in really significant ways. So we just wanted to say thank you, single out a few people who have already become patrons of our Patreon. Yeah, we got Ryan Moulton, Jonathan Finn Holiday, Nathan Blackwell, Nathan Presley, who Nathan Presley, by the way, is the guy I told you about, Matt. He saw me at Starbucks. He like just heard my voice. Oh man, and double like, shout hey, out. Uh, do you have a podcast? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I was just listening to it on the way here. Seriously, we are really excited about the podcast and about meeting our fans and you know, we brought a producer on recently, and we have our editors, and we think that uh, the Patreon is just going to help us be able to focus on this a little bit more and hopefully up our production value and keep making sure we get guests consistently that are good and interesting to you guys. And also live events. That's kind of the other thing we haven't talked about enough, but like we're aiming to do live events every quarter. So we had a really great successful one at the beginning of the year and we want to start bringing those back more regularly. And so that's part of the master plan. We've got a lot of big, exciting stuff happening and the Patreon is really helping to um, shift our priorities so that we can think about the bigger things while the, the show itself is taken care of and that the people who are helping make it 
are compensated properly. So thanks, everyone. Cool. So let's get into it with Bobby Miller. Hello, Bobby Miller. Welcome, buddy. Hi. Thanks. You're on the podcast. I'm on it. You did it. So, Bobby, you, I always lump you in, in my mind with, like, like New York, like, Tumblr, internet startup guys. I always imagine you guys are all in the same building. Just you, all on the streets just of all New York streets, City. Just all on the streets. You're walking here, and you're making internet videos at the same time. Uh, so, you, you worked for Next New Networks, which was bought by Google, right? Yeah. Uh, doing a show that some listeners, I'm sure, will be familiar with, uh, Indie Mogul, right? Yes. Which was kind of like a DIY like how to make movies in your backyard sort of show that I think inspired a lot of people. And we had uh, Justin Johnson who was on the show when they relaunched it relatively recently. But so you were in New York and uh, you made a short film called Tub, right? Yeah. And that kind of was your breakout. You were kind of working in the internet and this was kind of like your first bona fide festival hit. Tell us about Tub. So um, Tub is about a guy who jerks off in the shower and accidentally impregnates his bathtub. So uh, it was slightly different than the stuff I was doing at Indie Mogul. Sure. Because I, I, I started out as like an on-screen personality. Sure, yeah, know? yeah. You were like hosting. Yeah. You were like, hey, kids, this is how you show someone to, how to blow your head off or yeah, something. Yeah, here's right? how yeah. to <laughs> blow your head off. <laughs> With a watermelon and some paint. Yeah. 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 That is like the classic BTS shot, right? Yeah. We're going to shoot him with a gun and then we're going to blow up a watermelon. Yeah. We're going to cut those two things together. Well, anyway, back to yes. you. So you made was, Tub while so you were like, Indie Mogul. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, where did and, that premiere? And wait, when so. we say made it, you like wrote and directed it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that went to Sundance. You, did you go to film school? Um, I did. I went to uh, Columbia grad school in New York. So you went to Columbia um, and you made this weird movie that was in Sundance. But was it like a thesis film or was it just on your own? I did it for the love of the game, really. Uh, I, d- I didn't have to because I, I just need to make uh, to write features to graduate because I ha- chose the like, screenwriting concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just did it because I wanted, wanted to. Were you in school when you made it, though? I did, yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Cool. That's great. So were you doing the next new stuff while you were in school as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good gig. That's yeah. Excellent. No, it's great. Because I was just shooting these little web shows in my apartment and going to, you know, film yeah. school. How did you get that job? Justin Johnson. Oh we were God. internet buddies uh, who made videos. And he was like, hey, you're funny. I'm in New York now. I'm working at Next New. Why don't you come work, work over here? Wow. It was that simple. That was like pre, like almost pre-YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the internet was a fun time back then. It was like. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you kind of knew everyone that right. was making videos like, oh, the, the internet. The, there's seven people making funny videos. <laughs> yeah, right. Cool. So uh, what happened after Tub? You got into Sundance. That pretty much means you've made it, right? That means you made it. You get a three-picture sure. deal. You're rich. Yeah, yeah that's wonderful. rich. The gates of Hollywood just opened to you. <laughs> um, the reality is I moved out here. Uh, to L.A. To mo- yeah, sorry. Moved to Los Angeles. Uh, thought I could do that next new network job. It didn't pan out, and I lost my job. I was unemployed for the first, like, six months out here. Didn't have a car, and went on general meetings, mm-hmm. you know. Just like you were looking for the subway for, like, two yeah. months. I was like, where's the—I know there's a subway here, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, And just went on a bunch of general meetings, meetings where they were like, we really like Tub, 
and uh, you know this new script is really weird. It's not for us. So and that was this like was a year Clint. and a half. This yeah. was Clint. So you were shopping. Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, it was a lot of that. How did you get those meetings? Actually, a manager assistant saw Tub at Sundance, mm-hmm. and then after like months of emails back and forth, she was like, "Hey, I'm a manager now," and I was like, "Cool." I happen to yeah. need one. <laughs> yeah. And that's how that happened. It's happen- pretty yeah. amazing how much that happened. Like, it's like so obvious that it would happen, but it's like right. kind of surprising sometimes when it does happen. Cause you're like, well, the manager won't return my calls, but the assistant will talk to me. Yeah. And then, then the assistant becomes a manager. Yeah. So sure. It's like, well, and the assistants are the hungry people, right? Like a manager more or less has their roster already. So like, they're not looking for more people. They're just trying to get, the people on their roster jobs already. So it's like, right. who yeah. are, who's the next person who there's kind of know. two types of managers. There's the ones with assistants and the ones without assistants. The ones without assistants are pretty hungry too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if your manager has an assistant, then be nice to the assistant, obviously. Um, so you were taking generals, right? Yes. Um, and you would come you're broke in with, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And you'd come in with the script. So I think my critical error was I didn't have a script as soon as I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, it was like, Hey, I have this idea for the cleanse. And, mm-hmm. and it was, so it was a couple months until the script was ready. Can you tell us like, how would you pitch the idea? What's the idea? Yeah. I mean, I think I was just telling people it's about a group of people who go on this retreat to cleanse themselves and you know, the drink that they drink to do, to do that, to get rid of these toxins, you know, makes them sick and they vomit up, cre- vomit up creatures that represent all the negative aspects of themselves. And that was, that was my elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. And you know, people, of course they want to read that. They don't right. necessarily want to make that. Right. Right. And do they ask you, I'm assuming the first question is like, are, is that really happening or are they imagining it? Is it like a, right. a spiritual? Yeah. Some, yeah. Some people ask that. I mean, well, my first question was yeah. like, is this like a ayahuasca thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, uh, is it a drug trip thing? Well, it's weird. Which is an annoying question. I'm I didn't sure. even know about that until we were literally in pre-production. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't, I'm so dumb and naive with drugs. I was like, what's, what's an what ayahuasca thing? Yeah. So um, I didn't even know about it until like while we were young or while we're young, what hadn't come out yet, basically. That's like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The, mm-hmm. Togetherness also had a pretty good ayahuasca. Oh really? Yeah. Episode. I think it, Mad Men too. Right. Is that right? Oh man. Yeah. It's going around. Yeah. It's the cool (laughs) thing to put in your movies. Well, so let me ask you a question because this is something I'm dealing with now. So you had made Tub, got the Sundance thing. You got a manager pretty much from it. You moved to LA. You have an idea for a movie. I'm assuming you have like a lot of ideas for a lot of movies. Like how do you choose which one to focus on? See, I I didn't have that problem because it was just like, it's the, it's this movie. And you felt like you had the opposite problem. Yeah. In fact, I would, I remember my manager, the same manager after a year and a half of general meetings, she was just like, it's dead. Just don't, (laughs) Don't you know, move on. That's really interesting. And so I wrote other things, but I was like, this is garbage. This isn't (laughs) what I want to do. And I would, it was so sad. I would go back to the cleanse script on a PDF and be like, oh, I really like that (laughs) scene. You wait, know, it's like late one night and you're like, yeah, well, let me just pull it Facebook up. page. No. <laughs> so what no. drew you to it? Or like what made you keep coming back to that idea? I mean, for me, you know, as absurd as what I just said 
was like in terms of the plot, you know, the creature stuff. For me, what kept bringing back me back was the fact that people who do go on these cleanses take it very seriously and take it as if like, if I can just get through these 10 days, I can get my life together. I can restart my life. And I, th- I thought that was really powerful. And I, I read like diary entries from people who've gone through it. And, uh, I, I was like, yeah, we can, there's a lot of fun to be had here, but there's also something that I think could be kind of personal. And, uh, that, that's what kept bringing me back. And I kept thinking about the ending, uh, especially the same thing with tub, uh, it's the endings that always are like, ah, I gotta do this mm-hmm. somehow. So you had this perfect ending. Well, I don't know if it's perfect, as... but it, it like haunted me. Like I need to see that. So yeah. that's a, that's a really good way to get people to watch your movie, right? <laughs> the ending haunted me. Yeah. You gotta it's... stick with it. Yeah. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah. I gotta use that more. I don't know. Endings to me are so hard. And so I guess if you do have kind of something that you're really excited about is probably easier to write. Yeah. I think it's also a real gift to um, know that which one is the one, you know, I think like, of course you have like other jobs and you have to entertain other ideas and things. But like if you, if you have the luck and the conviction of being drawn back to a project over and over again, that's a real gift, right? You know, because like it's easy to get lost in other ideas or to abandon something because like, people don't like it to like have the faith in that idea is really special yeah pretty much every month i'm like matt i'm really excited about this project i'm working on and i like tell them all about it and i pitch it to everyone and i get so excited and then like a week later i just have a different idea that i'm like more excited about and i think that's like the classic person that doesn't get anything done in hollywood (laughs) well i don't i don't know i think there's also kind of a naive thing about it for me like the Mm -hmm. it being the first feature it was just like I didn't think about how hard it was to get made or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, well, this has to be the first, like now I I have that problem now more where I'm like, Mm. what do people want? Yeah. Yeah. What can I actually get made? Even when you know that you shouldn't be thinking about that, you like can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. Right. Because it gets to be this situation where it's more about the pitch than about the script. Right. Yeah. Because it's easier to get people that will listen to your pitch than your script. And so, you start like working on the pitch, at least for me, right? Because that yeah. that's the marketing angle, right? Yeah. Like, how can I sell this in like twenty minutes when I'm talking to someone? Yeah, yeah. So, so how um, how did you make that next big step, right? So you have this idea, you you like the script very much. Everyone's told you no. Your manager has been like, "This is a bad idea." Wait, but everyone like you've gone to basically like every studio and production company in town, and they've all turned it down. Um, I mean, for, yeah, sure. Effectively, right? Effectively. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, cause it's a strange, strange movie. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. You got the movie made. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it so ended like, up working out. Yeah. So I want to know, because I think that people will really be excited by this. Everyone's got a weird idea that like, yeah. maybe they're afraid people are going to say no to, and they haven't even had the chance to like show it to anyone. So you overcame that. What was that next step? How did you make that well, leap? So here's what happened is I ended up getting an agent and he casually was like, you should meet Jordan Horowitz. Mm-hmm. And, and then he said to like Jordan, like there's a script he has, you probably won't like it. Like that's literally <laughs> famously <laughs> what he said to Jordan. Wait, sorry. How did you get the agent? Um, that happened 
on a general meeting where it was like, uh, like your it, manager set you up with them. I was a general manager. meeting with like a junior executive and they were just like, Oh, I think you would like so-and-so as an agent. Are you looking for an agent? I was like, Oh yeah, I am. Spoiler alert. I don't have any <laughs> reps right now. So oh, we, we can get, we can get to that yeah, later. Yeah, let's but, get, um, I think that's helpful too. But yeah, um, it was something that I thought was dead it got to Jordan. He flipped over it like everyone who and read who it. who is there. Jordan? So Jordan produced La La Land. You may have heard of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jordan is was an internet meme for a little while uh, for losing slash winning for La La Land uh, producing. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the one that flipped it around and was like. All right. It's not we us, love guys. Moonlight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so Jordan read it. He flipped over it and he, you know, he understood like he watched The Brood, like he watched mm-hmm. Cronenberg films, like yeah, his yeah. very encyclopedic film mind. And so he understood all these things I was drawing from and uh, and just dug it. And I was like, wait, before you read that script again, let me read it because I haven't read it in a year. Everyone told me it's done. <laughs> Let me read it because I probably have notes now. So <laughs> we both read it. I came with my notes. He came with his notes. And, and we had like the same issues. And so we worked on it for about a, a year, I think. Wow. Yeah. So you were rewriting and sending him and it and he would you get like you were writing it and he was just giving you notes. Yeah. 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 And had he optioned it or anything like that? Was no. there any money? in there between? Was no, yeah, yeah. There was no money for me. Which is okay, right? Like, yeah, again, I don't. Does that happen? Do you get paid for things? Sometimes people get paid for things. I've but heard I think it that, happens. I think I've never off, seen it. <laughs> the flip side is sometimes people will be like, well, they didn't even want to option it or we didn't have any paperwork or anything. This isn't real. Well, the reality you know? is if somebody comes and offers to buy the script from you while you're working with him on it, you could sell it, right? Yeah, That's sure. that, right? And if he options it, you can't. Right. But since you guys, you effectively, a lot of people, told you it's dead right and this one person (laughs) was interested in he probably wasn't as scared of losing it yeah he was like a beacon beacon of light right in the darkness my point is just like it's kind of all gut level in terms of like is this real or isn't this like this movie it's awesome that it got made but it would have been feasible for it that it did it just didn't go anywhere and that's okay like sometimes you're gonna waste time on something that doesn't actually pan out, but like that doesn't mean that it'll always not pan out. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, Jordan had made a few films. Sure. So it was like, Oh, he's a real producer. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, let um, me ask you, he's not some guy in a back alley. Like, Hey, you got any movies? Hey, what's that weird script you got? <laughs> Just cause I think it would be interesting to our listeners. So he saw the script and he flipped over it, but did he also see tub? Like, did he know who you were as a filmmaker also? He he saw it. I think my agent sent Tub with the script, so he saw both of the mm-hmm. things. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the door that opens the door, and then you can kind of. For sure, see yeah, and I think for for what I did with Tub and the cleanse, like just having a visual thing mm-hmm. to show the tone that you're going after. Yeah, because they are companion pieces in a lot of ways. Uh, for right? sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then once he came along. I imagine that's when things start to fall into place. Yeah. I mean, once we both were good with the script, it started getting out to actors. And then eventually I have a crazy theory 
of, yeah. of how this movie actually got going. Love so it. we went to some actors at an agency that I wasn't at at the time. And you know the Vine app? Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. R.I.P. R.I.P. Vine. I hear they might be bringing it back, actually. Say what? Yeah. It was only dead for seven seconds. <laughs> oh. Nine seconds? What's that? That's Six, yes. I think. So anyways, I, I did a joke Kickstarter for Vine which is six second videos. And I tried to raise money for $89 because I wanted an iPhone attachment to go on. I was like, I need to make Vine films. And I didn't think Kickstarter would approve this clearly joke Kickstarter. They did. IndieWire wrote an article about it. The guy asked me, you know, what would you like to add anything? I was like, could you just say that I've been trying to make this feature just at the very end. So he does it. That weekend, someone at WME says, hey, what's the deal with this feature script? And I said, I don't know, but I'm repped at WME. Why don't you ask my my guys? And then I swear to you that next week, it was talked about in the company meeting. And all of a sudden, I'm meeting all these actors. But it was... That, that makes sense, yeah. actually. And is totally bonkers. But that's how that shit works. That's insane. And, wow. and it was a dumb video I made at two in the morning that my uh, wife, then girlfriend, was just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's funny, I think. You know, like. <laughs> that is so excellent. I'm pretty positive because we couldn't get any movement at my own agency for some right. reason. But so Jordan was already attached. At yeah. This point. And you were trying to attach cast. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So anytime I get pressed, I should just have them add to the end. I was just like, yeah, could you just like that? He's working on a movie. My agent definitely doesn't listen to this show, but he would be hate me for saying this. But I think that the way to manipulate agencies in general is to make them jealous of each other. Like if they if they are worried that they're missing out, like oh fuck, this IndieWire wire article and they're talking about this movie and we rep this guy. What the fuck? Like let's get this happening. Like there's got to be a little bit of blood in the water, and then they get into it. But you can't. It's hard to manufacture it yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. You can, like you said, you can email this guy like 80,000 times and be like, hey, let's make this movie happen. But like they've got to be nervous that someone else is going to scoop them. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And make them look bad, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah so yeah. get an agent, make them look bad. <laughs> get your movie made. There you go. So then that's how um, you started attaching people, basically. Yeah. I mean, once, once it was... Once it got to actors, they were like, what the fuck is this? I need to meet the person who made, who wrote this. Wait, was there... So did you know how much money you were going to spend making it at that point? Um, no, I mean, we had a loose idea in our mind of like what we wanted to to make it for. Can you say what your budget is? Was? I don't think I can. I don't think your specific budget is important, but what is, from my experience, is interesting is that to attach actors, there's a difference between saying, hey, we're making a $500,000 movie. Can you be in it for scale? Or we're making a $5 million movie. Will you, we're going to offer you a million dollars. You know, like, can you talk to us? I mean, as far as I know, no one was getting a million dollars on this, but it was, I mean, it was union. um, And like, are you giving actors offers and then asking them to read the script? Are you asking them to read? Asking them to I honestly they don't even know is what you're asking, really, right? Uh, yeah, I guess a little pay bit. I guess, play. yeah. Well, I guess you know, I think a lot of people that are making a movie are like, well, if an actor just got my script, I'd be set. You know, like if I could just get Amy Adams to read this script and she'd love it, and and we could make it. But 
there's like so many other steps that you have to go through before that happens right you know i don't know a lot about what happened i i believe that it how was how great is that huh yeah i didn't want to know because it would probably make me sad well, it was actually- <laughs> <laughs> well do, you, do you have any idea how they pitched you or are they like hey this is uh bobby miller he's a sundance he's, he had a film at sundance Jordan Horowitz read his script and is attached and they're looking to cast actors. I should say one thing that we did do was when Johnny became attached, we shot a little like teaser. And Johnny Galecki is the lead. Johnny Galecki is the lead. From Roseanne. From Roseanne. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that's true. I love Christmas Vacation. I love one of my favorite movies of all time. Really? Oh yeah. Watch it so many, probably seen it more than anything. So Johnny Galecki. So you attached him first. Yes. And then you you teamed up with him to make a presentation to attach the rest of the Yeah, we basically shot a scene in the movie with Johnny and his creature, kind of the first big Mm -hmm. scene with them. And we shot it in a cabin. And that plus the script plus tub... But but really that teaser, I mean, we would go around to financiers and we'd open up the laptop and play it and we'd see like grown adults like just get little smiles on their face when the creature came up and we were like, oh, this this, this is works. why you do that. <laughs> this oh, is why you make a little sample thing like that. That's really Wait, interesting. Wait, so I have so many questions about uh, unpacking this. Um, was there a treatment that went along with this too, like a visual presentation? Yeah, yeah. There was a director's book lookbook or whatever and i had hired um some artists who i found online to do paintings of all the creatures Mm -hmm. so i had a pretty detailed you know i I feel like with that and the and the short you know uh people got it understood what the hell i was doing and what else was so you had paintings of the creatures and you have like a like tone book or yeah oh and there was a tone reel i did a lot of stuff you know right and the but tone re- i think that this is the thing that a lot of people are missing where they're like i got the script and i can't attach anyone and it's like well the script is just like one ingredient in this cocktail of the of selling your movie yeah to people. yeah yeah so yeah tone reel lookbook the sample scene uh and the script and was the scene shot in a way where it could be used in the final movie or was it just for the pitch I think it was just for the pitch um, because it was also the first time we were messing around with the creature. The creature design changed slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, and who paid for that scene to be shot? I think I could say this. I mean, Johnny put up money to shoot the scene. Wow. Yeah. Good I mean, he, he was a producer on the movie, you know. Oh. Was that at that when you meet with him to cast him? Is it with the understanding that maybe he'll be interested in producing as well? Um, it it was something that he came to us with initially. Oh, um, wow. That he is, was just super, I mean, that we is had very cool. We had like a very surreal, almost first date experience where we went to like, we went on a walk for like two hours and talked about the movie. So it was very strong, like bond when we met. You were his Darlene. Yeah. Wait, so yeah. how did you, <laughs> sorry, I'm like really getting into the minutia here, but how sure. did you, you have a meeting with Johnny and you're like, hey, do you want to just like walk around the block? You want to get out of here? Walk? Uh, I think he said it, honestly. I was following his lead. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because I mean, like, look, Big Bang Theory is kind of the biggest show on TV. Yeah. yeah. Not kind of. No, I think I think it is. In a very literal yeah. sense of it is. Yeah. So like. Were you, you nervous just, at all? I mean, I it was so exciting, you know, because like I said, it's a movie that everyone told you was dead. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're meeting all these actors. So, I mean, I was a little nervous, but it was just a a really, really exciting time. 
Um, did you tell him that you saw Christmas Vacation a ton of times? Like, did you tell him that you were a fan of like weird things? Well, it's weird. I don't lead with that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't. It's not weird. It's no, not, no, it's not no, weird. No, it's not weird at all. Yeah, because you don't want to come on too strong. You don't want to be like, <laughs> right. oh my God, I love you in this weird thing. Right. But it, also, that's maybe the reason that you were drawn to him, right? Yeah. And, but, I, and I think for him, it's like, yeah, he's on the biggest show. <laughs> like, he was drawn to this weird story, you know? And, yeah. and that, He had and, read the script already and yeah, when he agreed to meet with you. Yeah, yeah. And so he's a, he's a really great guy and, and someone who doesn't need to do this movie. Like, right. Clearly yeah, sure. doesn't need and to do a movie Yeah, when like I this. said nervous, I don't mean because he's like a celebrity. I mean because you're, a lot of your eggs are in his basket, right? Like you need him to like you in order for this movie to happen. Well, I mean, not or maybe to sound not. like a jerk, but like we were, I met a lot of actors. Like it was like, like I said, it was like pretty surreal. Is there like an area in LA where you can just see directors and actors walking around the block? Yeah. <laughs> no. like, Most feelers. <laughs> well, actually. Where did you go? I, I'm curious. Yeah. Where did I go? Yeah. Like what part of town? Um, I was told that I needed to find a place in like West Hollywood oh, for, okay. to meet actors. Oh, really? Because so sometimes what? I would say, I would suggest like Los Feliz and they'd be like, well, that's not going to work for you. <laughs> so and so. And Tom like, Cruise. So yeah. what's, your, what's literally, what's your spot? Like, hey, let, meet me at. It was, uh, it was like Los Feliz Cafe. I met a few people. Oh, really? Is that, or Cafe Los Feliz. Yeah, I Cafe Los Feliz. Up. That's yeah. in West Hollywood? No, that's the one that I would always try to get oh, people right. to go to. And then, That place is great. Um, so did you feel like. If Johnny wasn't into your movie, you felt like there were other people who could get your movie made yeah. that wanted to do it, basically. Yeah. Man, how special is that? It was a good time. It was a good time to be alive. I mean, yeah. it sounds like the script is pretty good, right? Like like people read it and they get excited about it. I think so. I so. think so. I mean, and, and we were able to get just like, it just kind of went across the board, like the production designer who worked on all these big movies, mm-hmm. like, uh, what's it called? The Wrong alien land. move. Name an alien thing. Alien. Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. <laughs> no. But like big studio movies. And so he was he he was attracted to do something weird that he could just kind of right. get weird on. Um, yeah, I bet a production designer would be super excited about your movie. Yeah. How yeah. many creatures are in there? Well, there's several stages of creatures. Mm-hmm. So there was different puppets for each stages. I don't know. Uh, let's say... Six or seven, and were Something they all like covered that. with slime and stuff like that? A lot of KY jelly up in this piece. Mm. Yeah, any like strawberry jam or anything like that? No, nothing. <laughs> they never surprised me with that. Well, cool, man. That's an that's an incredible situation. So you so you get Johnny. You guys have this little love affair. You guys go <laughs> for a long walk through West Hollywood. Angelica Houston is in this movie too. Like, there's yeah, but we know it's the same story as Johnny. Like, now he's got all he's got the sizzle. He's got is this amazing right? package. He's got any actor he wants. Once you get Johnny, you're like, I mean, hey, let me ask an icon to be in the movie as well. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was great like, to let's say, just. Yeah. It's okay if it was easy like, for you once you got the ball. Yeah, going. no, that's great. I would say the only role that was hard was uh, the Oliver Platt role mm-hmm. because they wanted to take shots at like. No offense to Oliver Platt, but like big, you know, because it, it's a role that you could kind of glide in for a couple of days and glide right, like out. Like the Morgan Freeman or right. type of... So they, you know, the production company wanted to take all these giant shots at kind of big names like that. And so that was the only kind of hard part, but... Well, so this is your first feature, right? 
Yes. How much of a final say do you have about this cast? Not the final say. <laughs> but they, they obviously have like a, they don't just want great performances and great characters, but they also want marketability. Yeah. Um, but do they say like, here's the three people we want to go out to. Who do you like most? Or is it, it a little more? I mean, it was a mix. Um, I would say for certain roles, you know, it all came from the agency, right? So the agency would send like, here's what we, you know, here's our right. folks. So where, when, when and where did you shoot? Um, we shot in Vancouver and uh, a couple of years ago in the woods of Vancouver. And it's just coming out now. Yeah. So you shot before La La Land Oscar thing? Yeah. It's been a long journey, guys. <laughs> yeah. So so, so from, as easy as it sounds, it still was a long journey. Yeah, yeah. We're going oh, doing yeah. the fast forward version. I'm giving it, you like, the like the breezy the highlights. The breezy version, but it was it was rough stuff. So then tell us a moment where it was maybe at its roughest. Can you talk about like Did it like, ever all almost all fall apart? Yeah, I mean, I was told by Jordan after we wrapped, he was like, by the way, this movie almost fell completely apart like three days before we started shooting. Like, And I was like, thank you for telling me this now. <laughs> you know, as Did we he wrapped. explain how and why? He didn't get into the nitty gritty, but I think it's like, you know, this arbitrary value system that they place on actors and stuff, mm-hmm. I think has a lot to do with it, where like some... I don't know how this works. Some bookkeepers like this doesn't add up. This doesn't, cr- <laughs> you know, I'm crunching the numbers now. And right. you know, it's so it's such an arbitrary system. Yeah. I always joke that I've got a movie that my wife and I are working on that. Like we tried to a cat attach some people all from a similar show. And I was like, Oh, the head of marketing at this company just was a fan of that show. We'd be wrapped already. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, have you heard of this person or not? Basically is kind of what it boils down to. It feels more arbitrary than you want it to be. Like you want there to be like an Excel spreadsheet that we can all just download and look at. Yeah, or like the IMDb star meter. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, that makes sense. So okay, like this person's 10,000, you you know. If I was in marketing or whatever, and it's under 50,000, we got a movie, you know. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, we talked with the casting director and and she was like, yeah, I think it was like Will Ferrell or something. They couldn't get a movie made with him. And then like, two months later it was totally fine and it's just like there's no <laughs> there's no real hard and fast rules right i didn't say if i was in marketing and it's easy to say since i'm not in marketing but i feel like the most important thing for me would be like what does the trailer look like yeah you know, like how does this story is this story captivating in like two minutes right and then can we get ideally recognizable people but you know, when you start building a cast of like all these recognizable people, like doesn't matter if you have two or seven, like right. I, I don't know that that right. makes a difference. Yeah. Um, do, do two sort of famous people equal one famous person? No, See, I, I think know. one famous yeah. person is the best. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Unless uh, they're not that famous, in which case you need two famous people. Yeah. Um, well, cool. So you shot in Vancouver. How many days did you shoot for? Uh, I think it was like 19 and a half days. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's pretty quick. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> and you were doing all this creature stuff. Yeah. And that was like puppets. So it was ma- like mainly practical. Yeah. Um, puppets, animatronics. There's a man in suit type oh, rig. Fun. That's exciting. It's. I mean, it's just full out. Eight, like anything 80s, 90s practical effect movie. Yeah. Like we were, we were using it in this. And a were little you, arts and crafts, I like to say. 
Yeah. Yeah. Were yeah. you inspired by those movies? Like, did you watch? Yeah, I mean, Total Recall or something. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, Gremlins, Beetlejuice, uh, E.T., and then as I got older, Cronenberg uh, and John Carpenter. Yeah. I got weirder, weirder, sure. and more adult. <laughs> Was there ever a moment on set where you're like, "This just doesn't look creepy enough, or it's not scary enough, or it's not, or it just feels too fake"? I don't know because we. Here's the thing is we had a DP who had shot all these genre films for like Blumhouse. So this guy was like my rock. And, um, and so even if it didn't look right in real life, Mm -hmm. which it really never was that problem, uh, he could light the hell out of it. So like, you know, Mm -hmm. he can make up for it. But, um, I mean, if you take anything from this movie, if you don't like the story, if you don't like anything, the effects are really good. The, the, I'm really proud of the, the creatures in the movie. And, and I'm only asking because I've, I've had mixed experiences in the same field. Um, like how much did you get to see them before the actual shoot and give notes and get to modify them and test things out? Or was it a lot of like, okay, let's bring the creature out and hope it looks right? Yeah, it was, uh, there was some stuff I saw ahead of time and then others where it was like day of shoot, this is what it looks like. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me change how I'm going to shoot this scene then. It was Uh, supposed to be two feet tall, not two inches tall, but hey, we'll make it work. Stuff like that for sure. And it's funny, no matter what, I feel like that always happens. Like no matter what you do. And I begged, I was like, please, we want, I want to do like camera tests and things. Yeah, right. You're not going to (laughs) get a camera test of your creatures. Um, Right. I mean, you had directed, I'm assuming other stuff other than tub. Well, obviously you've done, you did all this stuff at Indie Mogul, but you directed a lot of days on set before this movie. But being that it was your first feature. what, What was your experience in between tub and... Uh, and clients like well how are you were you directing frequently or like i mean it was all really diy digital stuff so like buzzfeed it was you make two videos a week you are every crew member Mm -hmm. like i was just thrilled to have a monitor on set you know what i mean (laughs) like that's where i was coming out of was just like so you're not doing a ton of like like stuff where you had a crew of any size basically I mean, tub was really it. I couldn't get into commercials. I couldn't get into anything where there was like a crew. Like you tried to get into commercials? Um, I'm recently I tried and everyone was like, you can't. (laughs) That was their advice. The commercial agencies are like, yeah, you can't unless you make commercials. I was like, well, how do I make commercials? It was just like a never ending. These spec commercials is the answer. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, well, then they were like, well, people don't, that's not they something. They don't really like it anymore. Yeah, because yeah, it doesn't show that you can work with a client if you're just doing a spec commercial. I was like, all right, never mind. Well, you're, <laughs> well, you're back supposed to, to make a videos. spec commercial that doesn't, that no one would guess is a spec commercial. Well, oh, so hold on okay. real quick. So you are you go from not really having a ton of crews into shooting a feature film with a full crew and a monitor and all the stuff that you've always dreamt of and animatronic teams and stuff like that famous people what's a thing that you wish you had known at the beginning of that shoot my honest answer is i think whenever you're presented like you're constantly presented with problems every day like Mm -hmm. you can't shoot this you can't shoot that and a lot of the times my attitude was always like, I'll work around. I'll be, you know, I'm the mm-hmm. good boy. I'm going to work around in this box. And I think sometimes you just have to say, no, 
I can't. No, we have to do it this way. Did you know, looking back, did you know the times where you uh, should have said, like, could you tell that you were making the wrong decision and what, you were a good boy anyway? It was really just kind of making your days, right? Mm-hmm. So there was stuff. And luckily, there's like a silver lining to this because we ended up getting pickup days mm-hmm. to fix some of these things. But it was, yeah, you're leaving a scene and you're like, oh, I don't know if I got everything. Yeah. And th- and that, that happened a, a few times. And how frequently had you actually gotten it and everything was fine? relative to never now um, no, no. <laughs> sure. I mean, that would be an okay answer no you know no we I mean? I mean for the most part everything you know we got the scenes but um it was just stuff where it's like right you I know mean, 19 and a half days half of the movie is practical effects with a company that had never worked with practical effects like my ad on the first day was like why are these effects taking so long and i'm like do they take like three times as long yeah. as human beings yeah because there's not right. a computer who's gonna fix it later. yeah <laughs> but is the person who's directed and edited and done so many videos you're at this point regardless of like what the budget is or anything you're a person that has like a good idea of whether you have the pieces for the scene to work or like you know you can always play out the whole scene in a wide shot but that's might not be what you want yeah and, and so. I, th- I think for me the stuff uh that i'm critical of myself when i see the movie is like oh there's stuff where i did coverage here mm-hmm and everything else in the movie is like very measured moving shots and stuff like that. And so I see that as like, as an, as a second time out, I would try to figure that out on my feet a little better. You mean I'm not being critical of the film. Go see the movie. Sure. No, sure. No, but but dude, this is, the ending is horror. It just haunts haunting. It's, it's haunting. It's haunting. Um, but no, but these are the lessons people want to know. So yeah. you're saying you defaulted to standard coverage sometimes. And you wish yeah. You yeah. Yeah. Basically. Because yeah. when you're up against it, it's like, I need to come out of here with a scene. I can't. Right. And by the yeah. way, you know that most people that watch the movie don't care oh, no, if you played no it in one, a wide shot. No one cares. Overs. Literally no one cares. <laughs> right. Literally no one cares. Did you see Project Greenlight? I've, we talk about this all the time. But do you remember uh, the newest season he did reshoots? And he really fought to reshoot this one shot because it was like a little overexposed. And they're like, "Was this the guy who chose film?" Over? Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Your whole movie doesn't work. Do you not want to shoot a scene that fixes Bobby the story?" And I are on the same <laughs> team on this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> when well, it was like you could shoot on film or you could have days, I was like, "You pick days. You always pick, pick days. days. <laughs> right? <laughs> you always pick days." But that's a guy that pushed back on his producers. Yeah, in the Listen, wrong direction. So that's what I mean. Like. Did you try to watch that movie? Yeah, it's not it's not amazing. Yes, but I actually thought the season of Project Greenlight was really oh, good. Oh, the season is oh, great. Yeah. yeah, because it is the classic director versus producer relationship just playing out in front of you. Um, and yes, those relationships can be constructive and positive, also, but it just shows you how the business of film and the art of film are just like always working against each other yeah and it's perfect example i don't know I've, i really loved it yeah before we end any other like kind of yeah, good lessons away. from the, yeah from the shoot travel back in time and tell young bobby miller 16 years ago when you first started this Boy, movie 16 years ago the light was still in my eyes <laughs> any other lessons 
just have fun out there, you know? No, I don't know. I don't know if I have any. I mean, it's really, you have to, it's all cliche stuff, but no, it's man. like, you it's have okay. to, you have to trust your gut and you have to pick your battles. And, uh, I, my whole thing was like, I, like there was a joke that, uh, the effects person started of like, is there anything that could get Bobby to actually like raise his voice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like a gentle lamb on set. <laughs> You know, um, and I think my takeaway would be, yeah, maybe use your, yeah. <laughs> maybe raise your voice, maybe raise your voice. That's really while. interesting. Yeah. I, I, cause I think that I don't want to speak for Oren, but I think it's probably true. We both are in that same position of like, there's a, there's a common thread in filmmakers of like being good kids, yeah. you know, of like, ah, oh, we're a students. Like we do a good job and you know, we want to you know, follow the rules to, or, or for some reason, there's a re- you don't want to ruffle feathers. You'll like work around things. You'll make it work. Yeah. Right. There's like a little bit of that in everybody, I think. And so it's interesting to learn your own limits of like, when you need to step up and say, Hey, this is how I want to do it. And I want to be a, a monster for a second. If it, if that's what it takes. Well, yeah. you just have to be okay with not everyone liking you all the time. Yeah. If, probably one of my, best moments of my career was uh i was shooting my first feature we were like halfway through we were shooting at a high school with like all these extras and we'd finished shooting the scene and the actor the character just walked out of the scene and we'd gotten like a you know wide of him walking out and i just wanted like a you know slow motion like like uh leading shot looking back at him as he's walking out and it's like he's not doing anything. He's just walking out and we mm-hmm. see... You've got it. The scene is covered already, yeah. basically. And the AD's like, no, we can't. We're way over. We're paying overtime. we got to go. I'm like, can I just get this one shot? And he's like, no, we can't. And I'm like, dude, let's just do one shot. Real quick. And, you know, I'm like motioning to the DP while I'm yeah, try- sure. talking to the AD to start <laughs> like getting played. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, the AD's like pissed at me because I'm like kind of going around him. And I'm like, okay, well, we're pretty much set up. Let's ready and action and of course nothing's in folks and it's yeah. horrible and the 80s like that's it we're done we're done I'm like no we're not done you know and i fought whatever and i didn't even know if the shot worked and it was kind of dark and out of focus and wasn't really lit right and the people in the background aren't really doing the right thing but we got it and it's in the movie and then at the first test screening the ad came to me and he's like hey yeah i think that shot really helps that scene a lot you know <laughs> you and go. i was like yeah like because on set Everyone was against me. The DP was on my side, which I think is an advantage. And when you have that, it's like, it's better than yeah. being all alone. But like the whole crew was against me. Yeah. All the extras were against Like everyone was like. Even the extras? <laughs> well, yeah, because like, they wanted to go home. home. Yeah. Um, and the AD had worked on a million movies before. Yeah. So it's like, like, and everyone knew that it was my first movie. So I just kind of felt that's the other thing that's the other thing is you're surrounded by people who've all made movies Mm -hmm. and you're like well they must know best right sometimes they don't sometimes they don't don't. yeah and by the way also if the that shot didn't make it into the movie it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have shot it it just means that i wasted everyone's time (laughs) yeah right and you waste people's time constantly like most shots don't make it into the movie yeah yeah so like you just have to get over that idea like i had an ad once tell me that you have to ask people, you have to get used to asking people to do things they don't want to do. That's yeah. A, that's most of making movies, you know, yeah. like they'd all be in bed. At, like if they, if, if you know, they'd be like, Oh yeah, I'll just uh, hang out and uh, eat chips and have like a three hour lunch. If like we allowed them to, but that's not yeah. the way the job works, yeah. you know? 
Yeah. On that same movie, I had this idea to do all these like closed frame shots, you know, where like it's like a profile shot, but instead of like leaving space open in front of the actor, Mm -hmm. you leave it behind the actor. So they're kind of really close to the edge of frame, looking at the edge of frame. And I I was like, this is so representative of the character. They're so alone. It's like no one is with them. They're they're closed in. And I shot some version of that shot in, in almost every scene. And like literally like the first scene that we used it in, my wife saw, she's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's kind of like, look, we did a matching thing on the other side. And she's like, yeah, that's also weird. And she, she just like kept thinking it was weird. And I just ended up not using one of those shots. But we spent a ton of time shooting. Yeah. So, you know, that's just it, how it is. It I probably, it probably yeah. would have won yeah, Sundance if I would have kept those yeah. in. Yeah. 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 Damn yeah, it, wife. Um, well, cool. What's next for you? Um, well... I don't know. Uh, I've been just writing a lot. I I have two TV things and a feature, and uh, hopefully people will, will want to read them. That's my hope. Yeah, that's exciting. And do you feel like the people you worked with, Johnny and Angelica and Jordan and your eight, your reps, I guess, maybe not your reps. Um, yeah. But do you think, are they now resources for you going forward for making more things? I don't know. <laughs> sure. That's my honest answer. And my my rep ended up leaving. The, I switched agencies. I followed him over to an agency. He left. And uh, and now I don't have a rep. So I was like, that's cool. I'll but just write. you probably write. could get any rep, right? Since you're in this kind of great moment. Your, your movie's you about to come out. You would think so. You would think that. Have you tried? Have I tried mm-hmm. to contact rep? Well, I listened. I listened to your podcast. Oh, good with, about reps, and I was like, "Oh, I wish I listened to that beforehand because I wouldn't have emailed any reps because <laughs> no <laughs> one will email you back." Sure. Um, well, the good news is, like, you can still go in cold, right? Like they they didn't even read it in the first place, so it's yeah. like you can still get an intro from someone or something. Yeah, yeah. No one will be like, "Oh boy, Bobby again." Oh, you know? this guy. Yeah. He won't ever stop. Trying well, to ghost this dude. Yeah. Well, how's the movie being released? There's a theatrical? Yeah. It'll, it's uh, limited theaters in the U.S., like 10 theaters. And um, on the same day, May 4th, you can also get it on the usual iTunes, Amazon, sure. on-demand cable. So day and date, VOD and theatrical. Yep. Cool. And it's called The Cleanse. It's called The Cleanse. Cool. So people can find it pretty much anywhere movies can be found. If you go to The Cleanse film or... Let's get pure.com. They both go to the same thing. And if you see the movie, you'll understand what let's get pure.com is all about. There you go. Yeah. So you can check it out. Maybe you get to see it theatrically. If not, you can see it on iTunes or Amazon or all the just places. Just see it. You know, it doesn't matter anymore. Just see it any, any, <laughs> any, any place you can. Yeah. If you want to speak, especially if you want to see an example of a movie that really ends well. Yeah. It's yeah. got a haunting ending. Uh, <laughs> I think. I don't know. No, I think, uh, and yeah, email us or tweet at us if you you disagree about our, what about, just let us know what you thought of the ending. Yeah, let us know. And also, uh, the trailer will be on the uh, com, so you can check that out and you can decide uh, whether or not you want to see the movie. I'm sure after seeing the trailer, you'll be like, oh shit, I got to check this out. You've learned so much from Bobby. I think everyone's going to go check it out. I hope. Let us know. So... Before we end, we usually end our show with a segment called the Unpaid Endorsements. Unpaid Endorsements. Um, you got something, man? Yeah, I've got three, actually. First off, 
is do you guys remember um a few months back there like the ultimate road trip went viral do you guys remember this there was like yeah. a um a handful of websites that would show you basically a google map route of like optimized to hit all 50 states and then one that was just like all of the good one like good spots that would do like a 50 <laughs> none of the you, shitty states you, yeah. skip the, you maybe you know you kind of dip into you well, know well you have to put who you voted for for president and <laughs> sure, it recommends the good yeah states. exactly but it, but it basically like two optimized routes for road trips basically and so i was thinking about going on a road trip and um and and looked up those maps and realized that the person who does it this guy randall olson who's just like a quirky mathematician who does all sorts of like fun projects like that. So he did the um, awesome road trips, but he also wrote like an algorithm to figure out where Waldo is most of the time, stuff like that. So if you check out uh, randallolson.com for weird, like math-based quirky projects, it's a real delight, genuinely. I'm not selling it <laughs> as hard as I should have. That's cool. Um, so I recommend that. And then uh, the show Barry on HBO, I'm really, really enjoying right now. That's like incredible. It's pretty good, especially yeah. if you hang out with actors. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Being We're both married to actors, so that that's helpful. Um, but it's really awesome, and I think you can still catch up before the finale. That's great. And then my last one is uh, making salsas at home. I've gotten really into making salsas at home. It's the summer of salsa. That's what I recommend doing. My mom makes, uh, she has a lot of tomato plants, so she makes a lot of salsa, and it's it's amazing. It's so much better. It takes 10 minutes to do. You just need, like, a handful of ingredients. Make salsas at home, you guys. But salsa yeah. is a little bit like pizza, where, like, the bad salsa is still pretty good. Yeah, sure. Bad salsa yeah. is not, not that bad. Like, pace is not that bad, but homemade salsa is totally worth making. Bobby, you got anything? You tell me if this has already been talked about before. Sure. Um, the Highland app. Are you familiar with Highland? Oh, have we talked about Highland? Yeah, we did. Get, uh, but All that's right. okay. It's still great. Tell us why you like it. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever endorsed it. We've mentioned it. Sam Reich. He endorsed know, New it? New York guy. Yeah, yeah. He it's did. these New York guys with yeah, yeah. their apps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like more fit for New York writers. It's like... If you're yeah. kind of pretentious, you don't want to sell out with the final draft. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you eventually work in, vi- it's really for first drafts yeah. and, and, and it's like, it gets your head out of thinking about formatting, you know, screenplays. So I really like it for first drafts because you just, you're kind of free in a weird way. Cause you're not, you're, the editor brain is getting taken out of it mm-hmm. and you're just like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's just brain vomit. And then it gets sort of into yeah. a screenplay format. Yeah. I should try. I have it. I bought it because it lets you reverse PDFs. So you can yeah. take a PDF of a script and turn it into a final draft file. And I've been using the Highland 2 beta. Oh. And it's dope. Well, oh. And it has a little them. has a little timer on it now. So like say you're like I need to do 6 pages a day or whatever it is, it'll it'll just kind of keep track. Yo, how did you get into that beta? <laughs> I think anyone can. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's a, I, I just got an email that's like, we're going to, we just got accepted to the app store. And it's going to be like out to the world soon. So oh, man. I'm very excited. Highland 2 is definitely a step above Highland huh? 1. Yeah. And do I, will it cost money to upgrade? I don't know. I think he charges like 5 or $10 or something like that. Um, I know, what right? Jerk. He already has a hit podcast. Now he wants money. <laughs> 
Speaking of which, you guys should check out our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. Um, but seriously, my endorsement <laughs> is uh, I read this article and we'll post it. It's a really short article, but it's about a quiet place. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah. Um, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. You know, it's about these aliens that have supersonic hearing. And if you make any noise, they will come and kill you. And so it's about this family. They have a deaf daughter. So they're speaking in sign language. So they're kind of one of these few families that have survived because they know how to communicate silently. And it's the article is an interview with the writers talking about how they came up with it. They were like really inspired by like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin and all these silent films. And they wanted to see if they can find a mechanism to make a, like a modern day silent film. This was like their idea. And I think anyone watching it's like, ah, it's so simple. It's so good. It's so well done and made a ton of money. Like, I wish I would have written that. But they talk about how they pitched it for like seven years and every producer was like, it's just such a gimmick. It's like so gimmicky. Like why? It's interesting, but no, not it's not enough. And like, I don't know. I just like love reading those articles because every great movie, you know, everyone has said, has no, said no to, to. for like yeah. seven yeah. years. And you know what also is interesting? Did you peek at that script that they posted? It's like, it's very short. I want to say it's like 45 pages long and it, and it, and it chops up the script in like different fonts and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh. It's interesting. I didn't peek at it, but they talk about that in the article. We'll yeah. put the article on the website because they were trying to communicate sound. Like if somebody steps on crackling mm-hmm. leaves or something, it's like such a big deal in that world. It's like a little comic booky almost. So they'll make a whole yeah. page where it's like, yeah. crunch you know yeah yeah just in the middle of the page and then the next uh-huh. page. i i didn't see it but you did obviously. yeah yeah um so anyway uh, yeah well put, i think there might be a link to that and they also made a short based on the movie before Interesting. like john krasinski got involved and stuff so i don't know it's just nice to see that all even these like kind of smash hits out of nowhere like had these have a journey yeah, yeah well just that when somebody tells you your idea is bad like no everyone's been told that you know yes yeah Um, so it's good to hear that so cool well um we have a question for our listeners again we've been asking questions every week this week we are asking what is your favorite film related book i think probably one of our very first unpaid endorsements was rebel without a crew the robert rodriguez book which kind of dates this podcast a little bit i feel like we haven't talked about that book for a really long time but that's true there have been a lot of really great books that we've heard recently the disaster artist um, I'm I'm gonna stick by understanding comics as my favorite. Oh my god, I read that one that Matt recommended, and I barely made it through. Well, everyone, you can read that book and then tell Oren that he is woefully wrong. It's incredible, yeah. so good. Weigh in. Let us know what your favorite filmmaking book is. Let us know. Email us at justshootitpod at gmail dot com or tweet at us at justshootitpod, and we will talk about our favorite answers. We do have an answer. Oren, a few episodes ago, you asked what other things people should be carrying in their car as filmmakers. And John Finger wrote in, he said, a 10-foot woven charging cable, which I, th- I like because they're a little bit more durable than your regular like plastic-coated ones. A 10-footer, he's constantly happy he has it. And he thinks that a three-pack was 12 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess 10 feet, it seems like a little bit of an overkill, but if you're like a limo driver and like the person in the back seat's like, Hey, can you plug me in? Hey man, 10 feet's perfect. You can sit on the couch and still plug your phone in. That's pretty good. Yeah. It fits in his jacket pocket. So thanks John. (laughs) Um, And, uh, let us know, um, on Facebook and, uh, everywhere else. What, um, what's your favorite, um, uh, what's your favorite filmmaking book is? 
So we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. Um, if you have any questions, comments, please email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter. We're at justshootitpod or Instagram. We're at justshootitpod. We're also on Facebook. Uh, and we'd love all the things. an iTunes review if you get a chance. It was a really helpful for us and to help people find us uh, you can follow me at Smitey Pileg and me at Mr. Matt Enlow um, and if we want to follow you are you on Twitter or Instagram or anything what's this no uh, yeah I'm on all the all those things Bobby Miller I got in early on Twitter nice nice just google me I'm all over the place there's no it's not hard to contact me <laughs> but is it you're an you're open in, book you have kind of a name that seems like it would be hard to google is that not true I, I pop up I pop up. <laughs> You're I've been the working. Bobby Miller. I've been working it for a while. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, our music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe. Our uh, webmaster is Ewan Williams. And our producer is Madeline Rosewatt. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.